morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And somebody who needs no introduction on our channel, the founder of XRP Las Vegas, more known as Digital Perspectives, Brad Kimes is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how XRP has been trading below all-time high for over 2,000 days. Many experts are predicting that when this breaks out, we could see a historic bull run for one of our favorite projects. While Raul Paul is explaining why he purchased XRP after the lawsuit, stating that he waits for blood in the streets to find opportunity. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny Crypto, we've got a ton of exciting news just like our guest down below me. So, first of all, how are you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. And good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day. I'm super excited. Not only do we got Mario in the house, but we got our man Brad back. I can't wait to hop into it with him. Mario. The nodes are coming back into the market. We're not going to discuss it today, but with Trump launching his NFTs, we're going to talk about the craze that's only starting right now. First of all, how are you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. I'm feeling awesome. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody in the chat now and in the future. Hope you're all doing amazing. Good morning, Brad. Good to have you back on the show. Good morning, Abs. And obviously, good morning, JK. Let's have an amazing show. Brad, we got some exciting news prepared. And Raul Paul, I think he knew you were coming on the show because he broke down the most in-depth XRP analysis that I've ever seen from a former Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs executive. Before we even get into that, thank you for being here. And how are you feeling, my friend? Hey, man, I feel great. Thank you guys for having me. You know, it's always a pleasure to be able to come spend time with you guys. I mean, extended family, my friends. Absolutely. And we yeah, appreciate you joining us, Brad. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers today, Johnny, we got some green bubbles as HBAR is up 10%. ADA is up about 8.5%. ICP token this is one I only have a little bit of, but it's something that I'm watching is up about 9% on the day. And we can break that down a little bit later in the show. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.57 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 52% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 41,800. Ethereum, 2,200. XRP is trading at 62 cents. Solana, $67. And Cardano up about 8% trading at 63 cents this morning. And Brad, we got a bunch of great news prepared, but impromptu, I'd love for you to address the Cardano move that we're seeing here. I've been very critical of this currency saying it has the most developers, but the least amount of activity. But here we are. It's moving again. What do you anticipate? Do you have any opinions on Cardano before we jump into the show? Well, look, I don't. I mean, look, Charles Hoskinson is a super bright guy. Uh, I don't know how he got himself hung up with XRP community the way he did. And, you know, he's been picking pepper out of fly shit with is it bribery yeah. is it not i you know that what a horrible place you got to be to try to go no it's not it's so it, i don't even want to go down that rabbit hole other than to say that 
you know, God bless Charles. Uh, I, I know he feels the gun sights on his back because he's now experiencing what XRP holders experienced for three years. And we're still on the tail end of that, right? So I wish him well. I've never said a crossword about him. He blocked me like he blocked so many others. And hopefully he unblocks us and starts to really, you know, coalesce and get back into the XRP community and just the crypto community altogether, right? Because again, as we have said, this is, you know, this is happening to all of us. And it started with XRP and now it is obviously drifting over into other coins. I can't explain why the price is moving. I'm happy for everybody that's holding it. I can tell you that. And I would say this about the projects as well. First of all, I'm not big enough for Charles to block me. He doesn't care. So he just attacks me on Twitter. He said he called me a conspiracy theorist back in last December. And I haven't forgot it, Johnny. It's sitting in my diary right now. But oh what I wanted God. to point out about it. <laughs> Never I hold to... a grudge. It doesn't help. It's just only season. Uh, what I wanted to point out about Charles Hodgkinson and Cardano is it's very similar to Mike Novogratz. Now that the SEC case is over, I think there's very little reason for him to be critical going forward. So as much as people have been critical of XRP and what Brad Garlinghouse has done over the last four or five years, now the biggest contrarians of the market are becoming advocates. We've got a couple of videos that show that, guys, but we already got 275 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, this is something we're going to break down later in the episode, but I'd like to give our listeners a little bit of insight before we even play today's video as XRP could be forming the largest bull flag in crypto history, the data is at least telling us that. As XRP's been trading below all-time high for 2,165 days, and this was last night, so it's actually 2,166 and counting here, but many believe that this was due to the SEC labeling XRP as an unregistered security back in December of 2020. The background on this is that the SEC's lawsuit against Ripple and XRP, it sent shockwaves through the entire crypto industry leading to the alleged price suppression during the 2021 crypto bull run. Trading hurdles, liquidity issues, U.S. dollar conversions, all of this because it was labeled an unregistered security by the SEC. Well, Brad, here's what's exciting. We fast forward to today and the lawsuit is in our rearview mirror. And it looks like there's brighter days ahead because obviously the nuances are still being worked out behind the scenes. But broadly, XRP is not an unregistered security. That's very exciting, and I think that's why our community can be all, can be more bullish than ever right now. So with that being said, guys, I'm going to get right into this video we have prepared where Raul Paul is discussing why he purchased XRP, stating, Johnny, something that we've said many times on our show. You wait for blood in the streets to find opportunity. That's what JP Morgan's doing. That's what Goldman Sachs is doing. Hopefully, that's what our community is doing as well. Here we go. XRP, if you have any, and if you don't, that... That's fine. Um, so I was taken down the XRP rabbit hole by Santiago Velez, yep. um, who's a good friend um, and is incredibly smart guy and very thoughtful. So he's like, yeah, the narrative's wrong. This is what it's about. So, so I'd done a bit of the work on it. Then the court case came out. And so that's when I bought XRP. You know, when you see something like that, it's like, okay, now the price has been massively discounted. Yep. We know it's a real thing. Half the people have been shut out of the market. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. So that's when I bought it, and I've held it ever since. Yeah. Well, you know, it was I. I bought more uh, after the lawsuit, and it reminded me of the time uh, when Jamie Dimon said that Bitcoin was a fraud for the first time. I bought more Bitcoin on that particular day as well because uh, I said if it threatens him to the point where he's going to go that hard, there's got to be something to this. Um, 
anyway, you know, the reason I bought XRP was exactly the same way that I bought Solana, which was like the crisis arrives, the price gets absolutely smashed. But I can see that there is a vibrant community with real use cases of the chain going on, not kind of ghost use, it's real use. So in which case, time to put your capital at work. Boom, Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Well, yeah, Abs, let me just start off first by saying if there was a medal for patience, the XRP army would get the gold medal of patience. Okay, there is no more patient community out there. <laughs> I see Brad laughing, who's been waiting for this thing, right? And that that nice bull flag that you show, boy, baby, that looks so look at that. That looks so pretty. I mean, you literally can look at the prior one. It's literally the same exact thing. And look at the look at the moon rocket that happened off of that thing when we get to the end. We're not near at the end yet. It looks like we still got another a few months there. But man, it, talk about patience, Abs. There is no more patient community. Brad, I've got some thoughts to share, and I'm going to kick it right back to you, Johnny. But just remember this. Four days ago on our show, we showed a very long uh, XRP price chart. It was 10 years worth of data. And for the third time ever, First one was this first breakout I'm showing right here back in 2017. The second one was right here. As the SEC lawsuit came in, it suppressed the price. There's almost no doubt about it. Sorry, Johnny, I got to meet you. Um, there's almost no doubt about it, Brad. And one of the things that I've noticed with XRP is that when it starts to move, it goes higher than people anticipate. But when it falls down on the back end, the bear markets also last much longer than people anticipate. So as you're looking at some data like this, I think it's fair to acknowledge this. For the third time ever in 10 years worth of data, we are seeing a golden cross on the XRP price chart, and that's occurring right here. So I'm going to pull it up as you're speaking, Brad, just to validate what I'm saying, some of the more specifics of it. But it's when the 200-day moving average crosses, I believe, the 200-week moving or the 50-week moving oh, the average. golden cross. Yep. And it's one of the most bullish indicators you can get in crypto. That's showing on the four-day, decade-long XRP price chart. So I know I just threw a lot at you. What's your initial reaction to everything I broke down? Then I'll follow up with the Raul, Raul Paul content. Well, okay. So look, it's great stuff. Everything you laid out is fantastic. I love seeing that chart. Um, a little thing about me is, is I have some basic technical analysis skills. I can look at some basic fundamental stuff on the chart or technical stuff on charts, but I'm a fundamental news guy, right? So when I see those charts, like it actually little known secret, the reason I started calling numbers and looking at charts uh, on the on my show was specifically because I would never really look at them, right? I've always focused on what's the adoption, who's new on the board of directors and this, that, and the other, and how many partnerships do they have, you know, because that stuff is really where I'm drawn to. But I love this stuff. So um, this goes out to Motorcycle Mike, who says, even I'll be going crazy if uh, if it doesn't break a dollar by spring. I, I won't actually, because, um, you know, I, you know, I, I focus on the fundamental news and what I'm truly waiting for isn't a speculative bull run, speculative bull run, which is really what that chart's looking like to me. If history repeats, we're going to see that same speculative bull run take place. And I'm not going to kick it out of bed for eating crackers. If we get some gains, I'm going to take some, you know, this That's time around. Right. Listen, so I love XRP, but no crackers in the bed, Brad. That's right. That's, right. that's exactly right. But look, I will definitely uh, take some gains this time around where I've passed on that the last two bull runs myself. Personally, I wasn't where I wanted to be. So I decided to let it sit and continue to accumulate. And I'm so glad that I did, because this time around, I'm poised to be able to take some profits. And I want to be clear too. you know, my ultimate 
uh, destination is to not have to sell any of the XRP, is to ultimately be able to take advantage of automated market makers, put your assets in a liquidity pool, and never have to get rid of your assets. That's the ultimate goal, right? So that's really where I'm trying to get to. But obviously, I do have something set aside for some immediate profits if a speculative bull run pops off. Like we're seeing many people say we're on the precipice of because of a golden cross or history repeating itself or what have you. Look, yep. I say send it. You know, we yeah. send it. I'm ready. You know, daddy needs some new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> daddy got to pay the bills. You know what? Abs it, uh, I should say, Brad, it sounds like somebody's got an exit plan this time around. It looks like you are ready to go. And you know what? That's the smartest thing anybody could do. That's why we do this show. It's just to educate our community to say, guys, look, as much as we all love XRP, right, Brad? And I love it. You love it. It's our biggest yes. bags. The reality is if you don't take profits, yes, you can wait for the utility bull run, but that's still 15 years away. You know, we're talking 10, 10 5, 10 years away before the utility, if you look at the utility, speculation yeah. utility uh, charts, right? So you figure you're at least maybe we're halfway through it. So you got five to seven years. Why wouldn't you take profit on a speculum? It makes sense. Brad, I want to address that. Uh, and double your bags. Johnny, this, uh, you make a great point. I think you should elaborate on it. You said we're 15 years away from utility entering the market. I bet if we did a poll right now, 95% of our live chat disagrees. Now, I'm not saying I disagree, but I'd love for you to explain it so Brad can understand as well. Oh, what, what you could do for me to explain is go pull up that speculative. You know the chart I always I even tweeted it. Speculative, just, just speculative versus utility chart. And so naturally, the chart, typically from a speculative state of any technology, to the time it launches, that's net 50, it's 14 and a half years. I didn't make that up. That is what it is on average historically, okay? And even Yosko said that when we had him on the show a couple months ago. So the reality is that's now, think about it. We're not at day zero, right? We're probably halfway through. That's why I was saying abs. We're probably, there it is. That's it. That's the one. We're probably like, um, so there you go. So when you start to take the yellow curve is speculation. That's when everybody gets excited. All the news comes in. They feed you all this horse bullshit, make you feel great, pump the markets up. They take a ton of money out of it. But then for the technology, that, and this happened, we all lived, well, you were in diapers apps, but me and Brad lived through it. Um, in the 1990s, when, when the internet market came, if you took a chart of Amazon and popped it there, it looks just like that chart. And it take does. almost any of the, the companies that survived, and they all look like that that curve, okay? Google, and too. It, there you go, right? So the reality is this will look the same. Now, where we are, what's tricky about this space that I kind of struggle with is trying to pinpoint when 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 did the utility phase of it or the development really start? You know, you could draw back to all the way 2008, but we know that even though it started then, there hasn't been real adoption of it. So you have to start thinking when, when did the, when, when it really put a fork in the ground and start. And so we're probably, I would say halfway through it, at least for XRP. You're on mute, my friend. Sometimes this mute button kills me guys, but we got 470 listeners here. Show us some love, smash that like button. A special thank you to Brad for joining us this morning. Johnny, you know what I'm showing you right now? This isn't the Bitcoin price chart. This is the Amazon price chart from 1997 to 2002. Yeah. What is it showing? It did a 5X and a massive collapse for the next few years. Well, that's just what the market did. If we just scroll out to the all-time price chart, check out what this thing does from about oh. 2006 all the way there it is. There it is. Today. No, so. Go back. Go, go back just a little bit. That there, there it is. So it's hard to see, but that's the speculative phase to see that like 1997 to 2000. There's 100X in there. I know it doesn't look it, but that thing was below a dollar and it went up to $125. 
That's the speculative phase. And then look at what happens in the utility phase. But look how long it took. Oh, there's a surprise 15 years later. <laughs> there's a shocker. And so if you go into this space understanding this, then, man, you can make a shit ton of money up front, like Brad just said. Take profits now. Then that thing's going to pull back. And you're going to be able to buy double, triple, quadruple. Yeah, there it is. It's the same curve. You're going to be able to buy multiple bags. And then, boy, now you're really primed and ready for when we get into that utility phase. Boy, you're going to make a killing app. So, Brad, let me just preface your response by saying we like contrary opinions on this show. So if you got something else to say, I'd actually love to hear it because I want the other side of the argument. My The emotional side of me is like, Let's get ready for utility. We're, we're seeing what's happening with the ETF narratives. I think that's about to enter the market. But when Johnny breaks down the use cases of the past and comparing it to what we're going through now, what I think is happening is we're going through an accelerated version. Maybe the internet took 15 years to adopt and crypto does it in seven and a half. It's, I don't know. Seven and a half years is still a long time if you're a young guy. What do you take away from where we are relative to the adoption cycle we're showing now? Well, if it takes that long, look, it's, it's even longer to an older guy. Right. So it's a, you know, young guys thinking, oh, fair play, a year take. They're like, if you tell, if I tell, if you told my young self, you know, oh, you could do ABC one, two, three, but you're going to have to wait a year to do it. The first thing I'm going to be like, man, I ain't doing that. I'm going to figure out a way right now. Forget that guy. You're telling me I got to wait a year. A year, you just will have told me it was a decade or 25 years, you know, because I, it, you know, when I was younger, I like if you told me I had to wait a week for something, I had zero patience. And uh, I got to go back to what Johnny said, you know, it's like it's taught patience. Right. And that's really what this is. And patience is the greatest uh, attribute that any investor can have. But to our conversation today, it's also weighing that patience and that resilience and that ability to accumulate with the discipline and being able to put a plan forth for yourself and having the plan forth where you can say, okay, well, uh, everybody talks when moon, when this, when that, and they're all excited. And the idea that I could go shopping for a private island or whatever the hell the dream is, which is great. And you should have it. And this should be a very big dream, by the way, right? You know, one that gives you permission to never stop going for it. So, but at, at the end of the day, though, you got to come home to where is my life right now, right? What are my goals with my investment? What am I trying to accomplish? They, I've often said people constantly focus on where they're going. You know, I, this is what I want. They can tell you in great detail what I want my life to look like. Well, but do you know what your life actually is right now? Where are you, right? Uh, this is a, it's a big thing we talk about in, in our group, right, with our members. And, you know, in order to get to where you're going, you got to know where you're at. And that means taking a true assessment of where your life is, not where your neighbor is, not where your buddy who's investing beside you, where your life is. And you have to make some real decisions. Are you in this space to impact your life? Are you in this space to imp change the rest of your life? You know, what's the level of involvement you're in this space? And what are you hoping to accomplish? Not everybody has the same goals. Some people just want to pay off their cars and house, kids tuition, and then they're debt free and they have a great job and they don't want anything beyond that. 
Some people want to have an incredible, luxurious lifestyle at a level they've never even dreamed of, and they're trying to accumulate in a fashion that will allow them to live at that level, right? Now, I admire that too, right? So look, I, I make no bones about it. I am here to get extremely wealthy and to try to help as many other people get what they need on the way there myself. That is the goal, is to operate in the service of others. And when I sit down and put my plan together, it's not the Brad's plan, it's Brad's family plan, right? So, yep. you know, to me, that's, I don't know. I, I I wanted to disagree with you, Johnny, but I just can't, damn it. You know, I want to actually, it's so interesting. <laughs> that's all right, Brad. I, <laughs> Johnny, when, when you're I, right, you're right, right? It's you're right. on it, man. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with a guy who's saying the right shit. I'm not doing that. Guys, we got 526 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Put your comments in the live chat. Do you agree with Brad? Do you agree with Johnny? Or do you still have that hopium feeling where you feel like this time is going to be different? But Brad, you know what's interesting? Every morning before the show, I get up and I go for a long walk. And the longer it is, I feel like the better my thoughts are. And on this morning's walk, I thought about, and I'm going to put the XRP price chart up while I talk about this. I talked about, well, I guess I was talking to myself. I thought about the fact that early success can be more detrimental than early failure. And I was thinking about myself and how I was maybe six, seven years ago before I even entered the crypto market. And it's like, there's this great quote where it says, um, when you fail, you ponder. But when you succeed, you party. But all greatness comes from pondering, meaning all greatness comes from failure. So when you succeed, you never question your work ethic. You never question how you got there. But this is why I'm drawing it to the XRP price chart and what we're going through now is that I feel like, and this is so, I guess, this is more holistic and mindset oriented than crypto oriented. But I, I seriously, the older I get, the more I feel like every single time I go through a hard situation, I'm like, I wish that happened faster. I wish I could have done this instead of that. If I give it a long enough time, everything aligns. And the fact that the whole community, there's hundreds of thousands of people who see this vision, see what Ripple's building and see what XRP's building. The timeline is the only thing we can't agree on. I think we all agree that this utility and this, this implementation, this digitalization of finance, it's already happening. Franklin Templer, BlackRock, JP Morgan, you name the big company, they're now talking about tokenized assets and blockchains. And so- I don't know. I just wanted to tie that whole conversation. We talked a lot about mindset. I think one of the most frustrating things you can do as an investor trying to make money in the beginning is criticize your mistakes. Whereas like, I don't want to draw upon my trading mistakes just because for the sake of time here, but all of my mistakes taught me lessons that saved me more money in the future. And the mistake that I learned from last bull market, as opposed to this one, is I will be taking profits if we see something parabolic. Now, if you were fortunate enough to purchase XRP from 2014 to 2017, you are in a different class of individuals. But anybody who got up to these ranges and, and didn't take minimal profit, I'm not talking about, if you have 10,000 XRP, for example, I'm not talking about selling 10,000. I'm talking about maybe you take 10% off the table, you put it to the side, and then you use that in case the price goes down, you have more leverage to reaccumulate. So all of these things kind of tie together, Brad. Whatever you take from this, Give me your response and then we'll continue with the crypto content we have prepared. Well, listen, I, I, I just think that, you know, there are so many ways to approach this and it's important for, this is why I say, you know, if you, you can have the vision of where you're going and you need to, but it's under, it's, it's, it's just as important, if not even more important to understand exactly where you are. Right. Um, look, I, I, and I'll just share this too. You know, I made a decision uh, a couple decades ago in my life 
that I was going to not think about money again. So I said, well, what's the first way to start doing that? Now, as a professional musician, and we all know the jokes about how much professional musicians don't make, right? So, you know, I'll just give you one real quick here. You know, uh, uh, how do you know? A, uh, no, what's the difference between a, a drummer and a large pizza? Well, a large pizza can feed a family of four. Right? Oh, my so, goodness. So there's the joke, right? So there's the joke. So musicians don't make a lot of money. You got to work really hard. So the point is to that is that I decided a few decades ago I was going to make a decision to work seven days a week. And I remember when I started my mastermind circle with that I still have today with people that I have so much respect for in my life. Um when I started that mastermind circle, one of the guys was asking me, say, so tell me a bit about your, what you do. And all that. I was like, well, for the last 20 plus years, I've been working seven days a week. And he's like, get out of here. What are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, I, you know, he's like, you're, he's like, so you're telling me this weekend, you're not going to, you're, you're going to work. I was like, yeah, I'm going to work seven days a week. I'm not, it's not a tagline. I still to this day work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did, he said, what, why are you working seven days a week? And I told us, Because I don't have what I want yet. Uh And if I take off, it's going to take me that much longer to get what I'm after. See, that's how big my goal is in my mind. My my goal doesn't get a day off, right? What I want for my family doesn't have, I'll pick it up on Monday. That's right. Now, my goal doesn't clock out, right? You know, it's just me. And I'm wired that way. And my wife tells me all the time, I'm like the worst cat to be at a party with because I hear people talking about how much time they get off for vacation and they're bragging about how many days they got off. And that is like, when you're telling me that that's screaming for me to get the hell away from you. Cause that, that I'm like, so you're trying to do as little as possible and still meet your way through life. I don't want to be anywhere near you. You know what I mean? I break right out in a rash. I can't, I just can't, (laughs) you know, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm wired different and maybe one day I'll learn how to unplug. But, uh, you know, I I just I don't have what I want yet. And I'm not going to take any days off until I get what I want. And that's that's the pursuit of happiness. I don't you know. know Brad, I, I wonder how much of that is our, our generation. Right. I feel I, similar. I think a lot of it is generational because I'm the same way. Right. We, we want to work until we get to our goal. Because yes. if you don't, I mean, but, but you know what I mean? How are you going to get there? How are you going to say that when I'm sitting right here, guys? Come yeah, on. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't think hey, it's I'm not saying it. We could have a generational discussion, but I agree with Brad. Like, you know, if you have a goal and until you haven't got there, if you kind of take your foot off the gas, well, it's just going to take a lot longer to get there. So For the record, guys, Johnny Crypto, I'm not even going to pat myself on the back. But one of the things that I pride myself on is I never miss days. I think one of the things that you can't say is it's generational just because we're best friends. You know me years, man. Got to have my back. <laughs> this here. ain't you. Al was like, I'm internalizing this right. shit. I'm putting like, like, out right this now. is in the diary right next to the Charles Hoskinson tweet. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, I know a lot of kids in his generation. And they, they are not. I can see him writing in the book right now. God damn it. <laughs> John November 13th said some shit. Yeah. I stood up for a generation, not myself, yeah. a generation. Yeah, that's no, an anomaly of his generation. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll just leave it at that. Well, you know what? And I'll say this too, and it's to your credit too, Abs and Mario. You know, the younger guys that are in this space who get the don't be a tribalist and all of this business like you both understand clearly you are the exception to the rule 
And you should celebrate that about yourself because you are, I mean, just like there's this much of people in the world that actually know about what crypto or digital assets or the difference between a stable coin and a Bitcoin, right? How many people you run up on, you're like, oh, you, uh, you're into that Bitcoin stuff, right? You know, it's, you know, it's like, like there's only one, right? You know, so it's like, you guys are the exception. I think all of us, I think the audience in here is the exception. They're, they could be doing something else. They could be hanging out on Spotify exactly. right now, right? But they're not. They're interested in getting as much information and insights as possible. We're interested in giving our time to that as well. You know what I mean? And trying to do the things that we can to share information. This is a collective. It's a movement, really. You know, and it's not about one thing like XRP or whatever. I got a wide portfolio. I want to see everybody get as wealthy as they possibly can and not mess the money up. The only, there's only one thing worse than being broke. It's being wealthy or rich and then fucking the money up, right? Yep. You, there's nothing worse than having money and then messing it up. Because if you've never had it, you don't know what it's like to have it, right? Yeah. But if Johnny you get crypto. You know that you know my story when I first before I even entered crypto I won't even say the numbers but that's how I actually was like the one of the saddest days of my life the most of, one of the saddest days of my life is how I could summarize it is when I had a leverage trade in on a low cap stock and back in 2020 money was just flowing through these low caps and they were going from like a dollar 60 to 13 dollars and then collapsing back down well the numbers I can share are real I won't share how much money it was but the, the, the stock that I was holding, which is IDEX, went from about, a, I think it was less than 10 cents all the way to about $11, $12. And so that happened in a day. And my naive, you know, 22 or 21-year-old self celebrated before taking profit. And you know what happened the next day? Negative news came out. Turns out the positive news that was pumping the price was fake. And the price went below where I originally invested. So I saw what I thought was life-changing wealth come in a day and disappear in a day. I'm not even kidding. So I was emotionally wrecked. And in that day alone, I aged over a decade, Brad. That's just a scientific fact. So, Well, Abs, it's a great story to share with everybody. And I want to nod everybody right here and just give a shout out to everybody I see in here saying they work three jobs, seven days a week. They're rolling. See, that, that's my people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know. I'm telling you, I can't, I am not good at parties, man. I, you know, people say, so what do you do? You know, like I see it just, it goes south so quickly for me. Cause I just start talking my book, what I do, I'm working every day. And if you're not, it's going to feel weird. We're going to clash. And inside of three minutes, I'm on the other side of the room. I, I can't be around it. So uh, I celebrate everybody in here who's working. And if you're not, I consider it. That's what I would do. Look, one of the first things I got a story that lines up with abs really well. Now I, I got lucky. I got, I got lucky abs on this. Um, when I first got into investing, like at any real le length and depth, right. You know, uh, me and my oldest brother got into the cannabis market and the cannabis sector because we saw it was breaking open at the time. Right. So the government was being lax on and say, Hey, let's put a few nets in the water, pick a few companies we think might have a chance. Right. Well, one of those companies happened to be backed by Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson. And eight months after we invested in it, it became the first cannabis company listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, in all in one thing, the hook was set for investing for me forever. And then on the other side was the patience that I didn't have to have, right? 
because it was eight months and we hit a grand slam, right? Yeah. And now I, I'm in this space and I'm four, five, five years, whatever, into this space in a crypto winner. Don't know when we're coming out, but this is why I have the patience because I understood that that doesn't normally happen. You know, I had invested before then and you'd see marginal gains, you know, that kind of thing, the normal that you would expect. But, you know, you just have to be in this space. But to Ab's point, that awareness, if you don't have a plan in before things start happening, you find yourself looking at that. And abs, in hindsight, how would you have treated that trade? When you saw it at that life-changing point, would you now have taken 20% for yourself? Or for here's, how, here's how naive I was at the time, Brad, just to show how much I've grown. And I'll pat myself on the back for this. When I saw that trade, you know what the first thing I thought was? I'm getting a Mercedes, baby. Was on the Mercedes website looking at cars yeah. like a dummy. So this goes to show I was a completely different person three, four years ago. And just that mindset alone, it frustrates me looking back at myself. Abs, you know what you were? I'll tell you what you were. You were human. Because every human does that. Oh, my God, I'm going to get a Lambo. I'm going to get a Ferrari, right? And that when you learn to change that mentality and take that, and you learn that rather than taking that money and buying a Lambo with it, you actually go and invest it in something that makes you more money. Now your money makes you money. Now you don't have to work as hard. And then Brad could actually have some time off. Right? You want your money working for I'm not saying don't buy a Lambo. I'm saying before you make it, buy a Lambo. Make sure the money's making you enough money to get to the lifestyle you want. And yeah. every failure you have in life is not a failure. That's the problem. We're talking about failure. No. They should change the word. Take the word failure. Roll that so much up to the You know what a failure should be called? It should be called a lesson. That's right. You made a mistake. You haven't made a mistake. You've made a learning. You've opened your conscious mind, and you've learned what not to do. And yeah. learning what not to do is more price, is more is is better than learning what to do in a yeah, sense yeah. Because, you know what i'm saying brad you get it right i do i think you're making some fantastic points and i just want to shout out to uh vegas andrew who says baloney brad would hate me i'm older than these guys and i love that i only work three months a year to play golf the other nine listen i celebrate vegas that's a guy who's accomplished a goal apparently you have gotten what you're after right, right? so that's the you know the you know, just to be clear, you know, I'm only still working seven days a week because I don't have what I want yet. Once I have what I want, I might go out there on the hit the links in uh, Vegas. Yeah, you know, let it fly. You'll be hitting them. You'll be on the golf course with you, Vegas. Yeah, I'll be out there with him too. But again, you know, it's about first things first. And just like you said on a more specific example of investing, if you get that windfall, for God's sakes, don't go buy a toy, right? You know. Go buy some kind of investment vehicle or put the money somewhere where you're going to get at least a low, safe ROI on it, you know, where you're not at risk and you take it from this high risk situation yes. and put it into a low risk situation where it can churn a return. And then getting that to be big enough pile of a nest egg that that return, not the principal, but the return on investment outpaces what you're able to do in a year. Then we can all go play golf with Vegas Andrews. Bingo. I'm exactly. looking forward to the day, Brad. And one of the things that I hope many of our listeners are, are taking away from this conversation is how you should act when the gains come in. Don't make the mistake like abs at 21 thinking, oh, I'm a superhero, guys. I got lucky on one trade. I'm going to show off with a Mercedes. That was the stupidest mindset. And you know what? I genuinely believe that's why I had the money pulled from me within a day. 
That's that's an honest thought that I had. I don't think I was ready for it. And so I think it was pulled away. But yeah, we got uh we got over 600 people here. I'm reminding you, show us some love, smash that like button. If you enjoy this content, that's the only way you can support us. Just hit that like button. I also want to give a special thanks to Brad. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We thought we were going to talk about XRP. We're talking life advice this morning. So it doesn't get more valuable than that. But Johnny, I'm going to give you the floor before we continue. Well, I'll just, I'll end the, the mistake learning for our audience. So you, you've learned and you've taught them you know, not, not to hold on to it, right? As you get it, take profits. I made the opposite mistake when, when my Amazon went up in 1997 from $17.47. I sold it all like a retard, right? So I sold that everything. And that was a big mistake because I didn't keep bags for the future. Now, I'm kind of glad I didn't because I wouldn't know any of you guys if I did because I'd be a multi-multi-millionaire. So that's how knucklehead I am. But the point is, take these life lessons. The best thing you could ever do in life is learn from somebody else's mistakes so you don't make it. So learn from Abs's mistake. Learn from my mistakes. Learn from 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 Brad's and Mario's mistakes so that you guys don't have to. And hopefully the show adds some value to your life for that. And with that said, Abs, I think we close out the life learning lessons and now we hop onto some crypto. Can you believe we're only a minute and 30 seconds into this video, guys? We talked so much stuff. We're already 35 minutes into the show. But Mario, I wanted you to draw upon your previous experiences because I don't want to put you on the spot. But you have a very unique story about last bull run, how success comes in. And if you you need to capitalize on it while it's there, because it's not going to be there forever. It moves like a wave. I'd love for you to address that before we finish out our video. Absolutely. As you guys were talking about that, I, I thought of an analogy. You know, people go to college, they spend or they they put themselves in hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. Well, if you're investing and something goes south, you've just invested in, in a lesson, in a learning so I look at it like the same way, like last, like, as you mentioned, last bull run, I've made some investments, crypto and outside of crypto that, you know, some of them worked out. Okay. Some of them long-term plays. I, you know, it's still not out of the, 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 the bag, but I've had a couple of investments that unfortunately I've lost the money. So the way that I've, I've had to come to, to realization that that was an investment in, into myself, that was an investment in, in a, in a lesson, like we're talking about here. And I know what not to do going forward. I know what, what what risk is involved and and what is more risky what is less risky and that's just part of the the journey that i'm in so i'm extremely grateful that these things have happened because it gave me the opportunity to learn and that's one of the things i think we can all take away from this i think there's going to be some people in the live chat brad and i'm going to close out this conversation i promise that are going to actually have more success than they're anticipating and so like I said at the beginning of the show, I think early success can be just as detrimental as early failure. If you make a bunch of money on a meme coin, all of a sudden you think you got it figured out, that's not going to be valuable. You're better off being humble, being skeptical, and that's what we're trying to provide for our listeners. But guys, we are going to play the remainder of this video because Raul Paul, he breaks down XRP, how he waits for blood in the streets, but also how these opportunities, they only come around every once in a while. And it's important for people like us to capitalize on the opportunity said guys here we go you know one of the other big questions raw was um are you optimistic what's your overall optimism moving forward with this space because you clearly are one of the true leaders out there who rejects tribalism you're chain agnostic um and i think the best answer is i asked you this already but how much of your time is spent on crypto versus traditional finance today i mean look i use a traditional fi finance investment framework but really, 99%, well, 100% of my liquid net worth is in crypto. 100%. Um, and it has been for three years. Um, it is what I really enjoy. Yes, I'm really interested in technology and this exponential age and AI and robotics and all of that. Um, 
I do invest in that space as well. But my first love is crypto. I mean, I, I just love the whole. I love the whole space. I love the people in it. I love the pace of it. Um, I love the what it stands for. I love the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Changing in front of your eyes. I mean, these are amazing things. You know, what a time to be alive to be part of this. Absolutely, perfect way to end. Raul, I went a little bit over, but uh, that's me selfishly trying to take up as much of your time as I can. I'll tell you what, man, that that right there says a lot. That man's got a hundred percent. Like most people say, just put five percent in crypto. You'll hear a lot of the British people, oh, I got five or ten percent, you yeah. know, in, in abs to hear that he's got a hundred percent. I was was somebody saying something? No, sorry, continue. Oh. That was my yeah, audio. So, so when you think of like he so I've been following him for since I got into this space, him along with Brad and, and a few others, and so he has been very, very bullish on crypto for the longest time. And this guy, you got to understand, son. The reason why I follow Rob Poole, I love it, is because he's from Goldman Sachs. He knows finance. You work at Goldman Sachs, you ain't getting in there unless you're really, really super smart and you understand the financial world. So you want to be following people who have come from that space, who understand it, and are looking for the next big thing. And he gets it. He knows what it is. He knows it's crypto. And that's why you want to be listening to what these guys are not so much what they're saying, but more what they're doing. And he told you, you know, he took advantage of and invested in XRP when he saw it get, you know, when he saw it get knocked down by the lawsuit. I mean, you could you could hear it. He he invests when there's blood in the streets, just like we've been saying on the show. You buy when something's getting beat up. Warren Buffett says all the time, buy value companies when they're beaten down, right? And so XRP, you could classify that to a very highly valuable technical company or with a technology that could be potentially very valuable in the future, and you get to buy it at a discount? Dude, when I saw that thing at 20 cents, I'll never forget, when Coach came on that day, and that thing had gotten beaten down, and I was like, ooh, what's he going to say? You know what Coach said? He goes, not only am I, not only am I sticking like a, like a tick on a dog, I'm buying more. And I'm like, that's right. He was smart. That's how the big boys play the game. The fun news comes out, it drives the price down, and you buy, you take opportunities. You're not going to make a lot of money or get or, or, or create generational wealth buying the top, Sab. You got to buy when it's ugly and when you want to puke. And that's what he did. And I'm, I'm happy to see that he's in this space too. And you know what? It's par for the course, Johnny Crypto, when we talk about big players shifting their sentiment down XRP. And this is something that happened throughout the week, uh, Brad. I'd love to get your opinion on. As Galaxy Investment Partners CEO Mike Novengratz has shifted his opinion on Ripple and XRP, he emphasized, so I got two clips here. The first Please. one, this is from earlier this summer where he said the trust layer, that's that's where everything is going to be built on in the banking system that's programmable. And Ripple is trying to become the payments rail for all the money that sits between the banks. Well, earlier this week, and that's a video that I have right here, Novengratz congratulated Ripple, Brad Garlinghouse, and the XRP community on a significant victory over the SEC. And so with Raul Paul acknowledging XRP this week, we've got Novengratz acknowledging XRP this week. I'm just waiting for Scaramucci and Yusko. And we got Yusko. He's one of our friends. So I'm hoping he comes around. I'm sure he will. He's brilliant. But what do you what do you take away from some of the big players, the ones who are specifically focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum? They've now added XRP to that category. Uh, is it me? Okay. So uh, look, I, you know, uh, I was going to say quite simply for Novogratz, you know, this is a guy that we watched for years consistently talk trash. I mean, mad trash about XRP and Ripple, right? So for him to capitulate 
And to now admit that Ripple has won, he was wrong, he was dead wrong about XRP or however he's saying it these days, I don't know. I just know that that little clip you got with him wearing the hat, I didn't know a guy wearing something so wrong could say something so right. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, lots of stuff gets built on. Oh, sorry, guys. It's the content keeps getting stuck here on the second page. But what I was trying to break down about this Novengratz clips, I think it's so relevant. Everyone's commenting, why are you giving Elizabeth Warren airtime? Why are you giving Mike Novengratz so much of your or focus and time? Well, Mike Novengratz filed an XRP ETF application. In October of 2020, before the lawsuit came from the SEC, the lawsuit's behind us now, guys, and it's players like Grayscale entering the market that's going to change the game. Mike Novengratz has the potential to launch an XRP product in the USA, and he could be one of the first movers. So I'm not congratulating him for, he lied to us for years, right? People pretend not to understand this technology all the time. How hard is it to understand instant payments? I mean, someone like, I can wrap my head around it. I think Mike Novengratz can wrap his head around it. Am I right, Brad? Well, ex exactly. And that's where it gets a little gray because, you know, Novogratz is now, you know, this is like a guy who wants to come in, you know, and buy the, the team that's going to the Super Bowl jersey, right, in the hat. He wasn't with them all season. He wasn't hanging out. You know, he, he couldn't name the first person on the team, but now all of a sudden he's got a hat. We're going to the Super Bowl, you know. This this is who he is. Jerry right? Jones. He's but Jerry Jones. He's Jerry Jones, Brad. <laughs> He's Jerry Jones. So this guy, literally, you know, uh, like I said, you know, this isn't as simple as he was. Yeah, I wasn't so sure about it. This guy went out of his way to talk trash about Ripple and XRP. I, I personally believe that he was shorting XRP intentionally by talking trash on it, suppressing the price and talking it down. And now all of a sudden, he sees the light somehow. I, you know, again, I, uh, I hearken back to one of my core tenets as an investor is I'm stacking my pennies next to their dollars. And that's what has kept me confident while I have listened to Novogratz for years say that XRP is trash, Ripple's no good, and all of this stuff. I've been stacking my pennies next to their dollars means that I've been watching the relationships and proven partnerships that Ripple continues to build regardless of Mike Novogratz and his stupid hat. Right? Over 500 partnerships globally. And this is what's interesting, Brad. Despite the SEC lawsuit, and I'm, I'm excited I remembered this because I want to get your thoughts on it, is that Bank of America is still a partner of Ripple. When we were pulling up the documents and showing that information, everybody said, oh, we haven't seen an update in years. Well, a presentation came out this October showing over 500 global partners and Bank of America was on the top of that list. Perfect for everyone to see. Now, I'm not saying that Bank of America is leveraging Ripple's technology, but the fact that they hung in there for years during a government lawsuit tells me that they're either incentivized to use it, they understand what it is, or, you know, there's something else going on that I can't fully wrap my head around. So I just want to get a reaction before I kick it to Mario. What do you think about Bank of America surviving the lawsuit and still being on the partners list for Ripple? Well, I think it's huge, right? I mean, look, I, I mean, if we understand that the, the real, there's only a, a, a small handful of gatekeepers to cross-border payments, international payments, then you know that that's why JP Morgan has talked so horribly about other digital assets. And that's why they've developed JPM coin, right? They're trying to come up with the solution because they're one of the main gatekeepers to all of this, right? And by gatekeepers, for those that don't understand, 
you know, it is the JP Morgan that is doing cross-border payments for Bank of America, PNC and City, and maybe not City, but, you know, some of the other banks that are out here that you would think in your own mind that they would do it themselves, but they don't. They have to go through a gatekeeper. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it is hugely positive to see Bank of America still on there, knowing about the patent and all of that as well. So, yeah, very positive. Pr pretty exciting, Mario. Yeah. And I want to get your opinion as well. Not to switch gears, but we got 615 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I know you had some thoughts on Novengrat, so I'd love for you to go back. What was your takeaway from everything that we saw him say, as opposed to what he's been telling the public for the last two years? Yeah, well, I mean, a few fascinating things happened the last three years. First of all, we got the lawsuit. All the haters were extremely happy that Ripple was now under fire from the SEC, that XRP was going to end and it's going to go to zero. And then the SEC starts going after other cryptos. And that's when they start to notice, okay, uh, maybe the entire industry is at risk here. Maybe we should not uh, be on the side of the SEC. And then the fascinating part comes now where XRP is in and of itself not a security. And now this is pretty much law for all of the rest of crypto. So crypto advocates that were against XRP are now forced to be sided with XRP because they see that XRP actually helped the industry, or in this case, Ripple helped the industry. So I think that the timeline has been incre incredibly uh, fascinating to watch. As Raul Paul said, these are extremely uh, interesting times. We should be extremely grateful to be going through them to even know that this is happening right before our eyes. And I strongly believe that we're going to see more of those haters, more of those people that were pr previously against XRP or didn't really acknowledge it, discarded it. I think we're going to start to see them talk about XRP more often, especially because, because of all the different partnerships that have continued to go on and that will continue to, to happen. And I think a great example of that, Mario, is what we saw this week from BlackRock, where they cited what the impact of the SEC lawsuit had on Ripple and XRP and how if Bitcoin was going to be registered as a security, it wouldn't be able to operate in the United States. So look at how much things have changed. Now BlackRock is referencing Ripple as a defense mechanism for their filing on Bitcoin. Very, very interesting. I think it goes to show how much can change. But Johnny Crypto, floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so I wanted, as we're talking about Ripple and Brad was talking about all the partnerships Ripple has make, made, I wanted to kind of, Brad, throw a question out at you. We talked about this on the air the other day. So we're trying to help people understand the difference between Ripple, the company, and XRP, the crypto token, right? Because they're two different things. And if you own Ripple, you own Ripple, the stock. You own the company. If you own XRP... You don't own the company, right? That's so we're, we're helping people understand that because a lot of people who are new to the space don't get that yet, right? It's, it can be confusing. The question I got for you is where, where when you think of the two different entities, right? You got the technology and you got the company. Are you bullish on one more than the other? Are you liking like what Ripple as a company is doing and how they're looking to play in multiple spaces and grow the company like the next Amazon of the world? Or do you think it's XRP, the, 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 the technology itself, that you're more bullish on and thinking that's going to... I'm kind of curious of what you think of the two and, and where you would put your eggs, or, or maybe both, but I'm, I'm curious of what your thoughts are well, on as a company versus XRP, the technology. I think it's a great question, uh, Johnny. And I have to say, for, for me, uh, you know, I'm bullish on both. And the way I look at it, it is less like... 
I less look at it like, oh, how high could Ripple go versus how high could XRP go? And could I, where am I going to make more money if I'm projecting in my mind? Should like, if I put this amount of money on Ripple, the company, and then it gets this amount of gains, this would be my profit. And if I put this much in XRP, but if it goes to this amount, then this would be how much I would make. I get that rationale, but that's not the way I look at it. The way I look at it is, is I want exposure to both because I believe in both. Boom. And the way I look at it is, is, is just like this. I don't know which one is going to pop and take off first. So I want to have exposure to both. What if Ripple goes to 10, 20 bucks and Ripple has an IPO'd yet. Well, I can take some gains if I choose to and experience those gains. But what if it's the exact opposite? And XRP is just still grinding. Everybody's pissed off, beating up us YouTubers because we're still excited, right? Yeah. Isn't that what happens? You know, I get up. I'm they like, don't know oh. that Johnny Crypto elbow job, Brad. They don't know what they're getting into. Well, I tell you, it's a, I might need him to come over and elbow drop a few on my channel. You got, I'll bring my cousin Vinny and we'll take care of it. Don't worry about I that. Love it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I start saying to myself, I want exposure to both because what if it's the opposite and Ripple actually IPOs before XRP goes to a target price that I'm interested in taking profits? Now I have exposure. I've opened up my options. No different than saying, you know, I want to be in different token projects because their adoption rate may be different, right? Just the way, the same way people uh, look at the total circulating supply, right? You know, versus the utility. Oh, this company has great utility, I believe, but they have only this many tokens. So I think the adoption and the exponential curve could be greater, right? So there's many different ways to analyze something of why you want to be involved in it and have exposure to it. Ultimately, for me, I believe in the things that I invest in. Some of them are not going to do well. Some of them are going to go to zero because that's what investing is about. And we have to be prepared for that, just like we're preparing for the gains. Absolutely, Brad. And I want to bring it back to Ripple's use cases, driving value into XRP, because I think this is an important conversation to have. When we look at what XR, what Ripple is building around the XRPL, they're doing two things. They're developing central bank digital currencies using Ripple's technology. And then they're also focused on cross-border payments where, RIP, where XRP is the favorable aggregate for fiat to fiat settlement. So this is an illustration directly off Ripple's website where they're breaking down. This is what banks will do when they leverage uh, Ripple's ODL system. They'll go from US dollar to XRP to the, the one, let's say. And they'll be able to do that in seconds seamlessly for almost no cost. I think that's very easy for people to wrap their head around. Now, here's where the real conversation begins. Does that drive value into the XRPL? Because as more companies and more institutions are buying it to get in there and use it as a liquidity vehicle, that means more money is going to be sitting on there simultaneously throughout longer periods of time. And so I hope I'm making this simple. The picture that I'm trying to, to draw here is that if more banks use Ripple's technology, more liquidity ends up on the XRPL. And this is only the cross-border payments aspect. We're not even addressing the liquidity hub. What do you think about that? And what's your opinion on Ripple's utility and Ripple's business driving value into XRP? Well, I, I love well, I love the way that you just broke that down for one. And uh, two, for I think it was Node Army asked if I got Ripple on link to. And yes, that is where I got my private equity. Um, but now, uh, yep, there it is right there. So, yeah, and I know, Army, I, that is where I got it. But to speak to uh, 
how XRP gets its value through utility is essentially the the, the question, right? All right, well, I'm a, I'm a, let's go here then, right? Can we go here? I'm gonna go of here. Course. I'm going to go here while it's not a dollar. I'm going to go here while it's 60 some cents. And I'm going to tell you why I'm in this thing, right? I see some, let's just take for an example, this is one piece of news. Ripple joins ISDA, International Swaps and Derivative Association, to help settle over $2 quadrillion worth of derivative products. Okay, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. How much of that will Ripple capture and how much of that will XRP be utilized in that tech stack to settle these things? We don't know the answer, but I'm usually excited about the idea of that. And when you think about what Miguel Viez, the former head of XRP Global Markets, used to say, liquidity plus utility over time equals value. Now, I personally believe, look, here's what we know. So the, the, the U.S. dollar, and I'm sharing with you what I personally believe until I see information that shows me different, right? So I personally believe what we're seeing is we saw in the 70s, leading up to the 70s, the dollar was on the gold standard. It elevated it to have the world reserve currency status. That came down. Kissinger put in the petrodollar agreement to continue its elevated status to to exclusively trade all oil trades in U.S. dollars to elevate its status as the world reserve currency. I firmly believe that we're watching that petrodollar agreement be unwound at this time. 100%. And as we're watching that happen, I believe what you're watching with Ripple and XRP Ledger being utilized in something like ISDA, to, which is DTCC and all the surrounding partners, to settle more than $2 quadrillion worth of derivatives is a way to inject liquidity after it is tokenized onto the XRP ledger. And you know what a lot of derivatives are? They end up being stocks and bonds, right? And you know what backs the dollar? Bonds. And if you put enough reserves around the world on the XRP ledger tokenized, you don't need the petrodollar agreement anymore because you can elevate the status of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency by backing it with all the reserves of the XRP ledger, which means it would be very simple. People say, how do you get all the debt on the ledger? You tokenize it. You tokenize it and you repatriate those bonds. They could do it by issuing a CBDC wholesale back end. And they could say, we're going to release a new digital dollar that only the Fed and the central banks are using every day. But what in turn, we're going to tell the hundreds of trillions of dollars worth of euro dollar market, which is where the U.S. dollars traded in foreign countries. Right. And we're going to take that and we're going to tokenize all those bonds for everybody there and roll it over and reissue them a bond that's actually backed by actual real reserves on the ledger instead of the failing dollar we currently have now. You know. Just a step to this very quickly here, because I believe this is all done to prevent World War III. And the only way to do that is to shore up the next thing that you don't have to have an agreement with other countries on other than you're going to use this ledger. Right. And it could be in conjunction. It won't be one to win them all. I just believe that this will be one that has a decentralized exchange that can make a market for all. And all different ledgers can plug into this decentralized exchange. So that's just my quick overview. I didn't mean to go too far one way, but that is what I believe right now. 
And that's why we appreciate you coming on here, Brad. We get the honesty and that's what we came for. So we appreciate that honest take. And Johnny, I want to hear your response. I've got a great video uh, corresponding to what Brad just broke down where he talked about tokenization and that creating a lot of value for blockchains. Well, this is probably, if you look at assets under management, the wealthiest man on the planet as his company is managing over $10 trillion in assets. These are the same guys who were calling Bitcoin I don't want to say even the words laundering money, nefarious activity, so on and so forth. They're now talking about how it's exciting that these technologies exist and they're ready to start leveraging them themselves. But Johnny, I don't know if you had an initial response to Brad or I can dive right into the video. Uh, no, I mean, with Brad, I, I, I've been screaming for trade volume. The thing that's going to drive up the XRP price is what Brad said. It's the trade, the daily institutional trade volume, not, not volume you and I are buying. We can't affect the price. But we, I agree, Brad for president. Maybe I'll run for vice president with Brad. But we need, we need, <laughs> we need, we need, we need adoption from use cases of institutions and corporations and companies, and, and using the product to drive up the daily trade volume. That volume is going to set the market cap and drive the price up. So, a hundred percent want to see it happen. And when when Brad's talking two trillion, two point two trillion, five trillion. Now, don't think XRP is going to get all of it. Exactly. Well, let's say they get a piece of it. That's a damn big number. And that's that kind of stuff. Brad talked earlier in the show. He said something important. He said he's a, he's more of an institutional adoption guy looking to see what what, you know, what the technology is, who it's being adopted by. I'm, I'm right there with you, Brad. I agree. That, to me, is more important as a longer term. If you're going to call yourself a long term. Well, I'm, a, I'm an X generation, by the way, not boomer. That, to me, is a longer term. You know, if you're a long-term holder in this technology, you want to be seeing that. You want to be seeing these relationships because you're building the blocks to get to that utility curve, Abs, where we show that S-curve. When you get to that S-curve on, on that adoption curve utility, boy, those are unbelievable life-changing times for anybody who's in the technology early. And the way to get there is going to be through trade volume and tokenization. Absolutely, Johnny. And we're going to dive right into this video and kick it back to Brad for some comments. Here we go. I actually believe this technology is going to be very important. I am, I, you know, look at it. We have been part of a huge revolution in investing through ETFs. We believe that ETFs will be changing the whole way we invest. Many people still use it as a means, well, people are investing it for indexing. No, the majority of people who are putting money in an index, in an ETFs are active investors that are buying exposure. The entire bond market is being transformed as we talk right now. I believe the next generation for markets, the next generation for securities will be, will be tokenization of securities. Um, we will, and if we can have that distributed ledger that we know every beneficial owner Every beneficial seller, we all have our, our, our code right. of who's buying, who's selling, instantaneous settlement. And think about it, it changes the whole ecosystem. So he broke down so much valid information. Johnny, I'm going to give you the floor and I'll give my take. So Abs, in, in, the, in the analogy world of wrestling, we call this the biggest heel turn in history. So Larry Fink, so when Hulk Hogan turned from like bad guy to good guy, or good guy to bad guy, right? This... Larry Fink just turned from the most hateful guy in the crypto industry to the most loved guy. He just flipped 180 like, like he never flipped. He flipped that so much so fast as narrator. Because why? Because they're ready. They're ready. That's it. That's the answer. It's that simple. BlackRock now 
has positioned themselves in a position to capitalize on the tsunami that's going to be coming into this crypto space. His company's ready. All his friends are ready. Got everybody ready. And now what happens? Now you switch the narrative, right? What, 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 what did Yosko tell us on the show? As well as that scumbag Jim Cramer. He's telling us wrong. They, they want to buy it before stuff. they buy it. When they want to buy stuff, what do they do? They don't go announce to the world. No, they fund the shit out of it. They call their buddies up. Hey, write a bad story on that thing. Right? They do everything possible to drive the price down. Then they buy that so much cheap. And then once they're in, then they flip the narrative, right? And now you're literally watching this happen. We could not have been in a more better position to be able to front run all this because all of us who have been here and everybody in the chat, pat yourselves on the back, don't hurt your arm, but you all have been in this space and you all had a chance to front run what I think is going to be the biggest tsunami and liquidity event that we're going to see coming to this space when that Bitcoin ETF comes. And let me tell you, you could bet your life on it that that Bitcoin ETF, now that BlackRock's in this game, is coming. Well, Larry Fink said a couple of things before I kick it to you, Brad. First of all, he started the conversation off with ETFs and who's investing in those. This is something I've been explaining on the show for a long time. There is an educational curve in crypto right now that I think many people, the majority, will not have to climb. Getting a Coinbase, registering, figuring out how to custody your own assets if you want to put them on a ledger. That's something that the majority of the public will never do. What I think is going to happen is people like my grandma, who they want crypto, but they're confused. They don't really know how to get it. They're going to allocate 1%, 3%, 5% of their 401ks into these crypto ETF baskets, which will then give them exposure to crypto without ever having to learn a thing. So before we even address the tokenized, and stop pulling up the comments, Johnny, please. As we're addressing the tokenized asset part of this, I think it's so important to recognize that ETS remove the learning curve for the crypto market, and they allow regular people to get exposure without having to go and figure out Coinbase and the ledger and so on. So how do you feel about that and how that's going to create a massive opportunity for people like us? Well, listen, uh, I think you made a great assessment of the entire thing right there, Abs. And one thing I would say uh, is, is there's an irony here that I just cannot not touch on, okay? Uh, <laughs> first of all, let's just, you know, let's just overview this very quickly here. So while we're going through this, whole court case, ETH, Bitcoin, tribalist, maximalist, all those go, you know, they're th when we needed a help and needed somebody to throw us a rope, they threw us a boat anchor, right? They were hoping that we'd go down. Yeah. As long as it's not us, as long as that's happening to you, that ain't happening. They go here, catch this. And they shot a rocket at us. Exactly. You know <laughs> what I mean? Now what's interesting is the, Bitcoin maxis, which are libertarians, right? Anti-bank, anti-establishment, all of that. And I have some exposure to Bitcoin too, but I'm, but I'm going to take it. Trust me, I'm going to land this plane. <laughs> but let me tell you right now, this is what's interesting that everybody better be aware of. Because all these anti-bank, anti-establishment, Bitcoin banks, governments can't tell me what to do, are now standing on the sidelines cheering Wall Street money to come in here and give them a big watch in a Lambo, right? Push my price up. I don't give a shit just long as they want to come in. But they're not thinking. They're not doing any forward thinking here at all, right? Because for one, once they bring their institutional money in, it's theirs. It's no longer yours. And your anti-bank, anti-establishment dream is out the window. Kiss it goodbye. It's gone. 
Because here's the other part of this thing, right? The other part of this thing is start thinking about the, the, the macro here. The traditional markets are going to go through some kind of a correction or a collapse. I, I don't think anybody would argue that at this point. No. And when that happens, they're looking for some flight to quality, as Larry Fink calls it, which is just some place that we could put money that we're not putting it today is what it really means. Right. And what that is, is looking like Bitcoin. Right. So then they're going to plow money into Bitcoin and probably drive that up once the ETFs are approved, giving exposure to the ones who are too scared to do what we're all doing. And that's great. More money comes in. But take a look at what could happen here. It's to hedge the correction in the traditional stock market by allowing people to have access to a product they never had access to before. Yep. And then when that happens, mainstream media, because we know that they towed a line for the Wall Street puppets and all the elites who really make the decisions in this world, they'll come out and tell you, oh, well, it's not really a depression. It's not really a deep, deep recession. What you're really seeing is a slight correction. And then the rest of it is this money running into this new product that everybody can now invest in called a Bitcoin ETF. Have you heard of it? Right. But when they're done with this thing, they'll pull their institutional money and their richest clients out of this thing so quick your head will spin. And then how much is Bitcoin worth once they pull their wallet back out of it? And people aren't thinking about that because I know Wall Street, they will pimp this thing out. And when they're done with it, they'll throw it on the ground and just walk away from it. And nobody will want it after that. So it, I think for people holding Bitcoin, they better be looking towards what use cases. Is Lightning going to get its shit together? Where are the where is the where is the innovation that is going to continue to make Bitcoin desirable and relevant because of its use case utility? Transactions are high, the speed is slow, right? I, I transferred a Bitcoin a couple of years ago. They charged me over four thousand dollars. Wow, one Bitcoin. Now that is not. I mean, I could have used Western Union like twenty five times, and they don't embarrass very easily either, right? So. You know, this is what I'm talking about. You know, it's like how much value does something have if nostalgia is what you're really selling to people? So this is my question, Brad, just because of the liquidity issue and the fact that we see players like Michael Saylor, Mark Yusko, we got big news out of the UAE, $500 billion could be entering the crypto market. Large portion of that's going to end up in Bitcoin. I am by no means a Bitcoin maximalist. If you looked at my portfolio, I'm barely a Bitcoin holder. So just to preface what I'm about to say, but do you think there's already this established narrative with Bitcoin where it's like, obviously the markets aren't utility driven. We established that over the last hour or so. There's, we're, we're in a speculative market driven by narratives, driven by headlines. Well, here's what Bitcoin has going for it. People think crypto is Bitcoin. Guys like Joe Rogan six months ago were calling crypto Bitcoins. Bitcoin. So I think it just goes to show how early we are in this adoption curve, like Johnny referenced. And for the time being, not only does Bitcoin have that first mover advantage, it has this advantage of really brilliant players like Michael Saylor or Mike Novogratz, who I know we, we criticize their narratives because we're talking, we're talking heads as well. But to the average person, these are brilliant players. So Michael Saylor, Mark Yusko, um, Scaramucci, like I can go on and on. These are established players, talking media personalities that are advocates of Bitcoin. So with the talking heads out there, the price about to explode, the ETF narrative about to come out where retail investors are going to get that exposure without having to go through a learning curve. I think there's a lot of benefits that Bitcoin has to what I just broke down. And so I don't think 
This is now completely opinionated. I don't think Bitcoin will dominate this market forever, but I do think Bitcoin will most likely be around forever. I hope I'm right. And I, it, maybe it's hopium and you can prove me wrong. But I just think that with when it comes to Bitcoin, it has this unfair government-backed advantage. The biggest players are excited about it. The global narrative is optimistic about it. And, and like you said, they can flip it anytime. They can rip the Band-Aid off at any point they want. But everything leads me to believe that they don't have the incentive to do so. Let me throw one last thing at you. Bitcoin could be a fake decentralized asset that they created as a contrary argument to centralized currencies. Now, why would they do that? Even if Bitcoin was decentralized and you can prove it, why would they launch the opposition? That is WWE rule number one. You play the heel and you play the good guy because that way, either way you win. And so I think what they're happening, what's happening with Bitcoin is they're like, this decentralized narrative was going to come. The technology has been being worked on since the late 80s. They saw it coming. They stepped in front of the ball and you're um, so much is going on in my head, but remember when OpenCoin came out in 2004, yet they pitched Bitcoin as the first currency to ever exist. So there's all of this different stuff where if you really focus on it, you say something's not right. And I think Bitcoin for the time being has this unfair advantage that you're talking about. But now with ETFs entering the game, the learning curves removed, the unfair advantage just became digital gold, so-called. So what do you think about everything I, I just threw at you? Well, look, I think the, the 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 biggest thing for me is isn't whether Bitcoin will go up because I certainly believe it's going to, right? Um, and I and I hope that people make a gazillion dollars off of it. I really do because I don't, you know, I, I have some exposure to it as well, right? So I, I hope everybody does well. And even if I don't, I hope you make a million gazillion bucks off of whatever you're involved in. I really do. But to me, it's always going to be about what is it worth. Look, Abs, you're right. You can't stop the technology. That's not what this is about. What it's about is how do you how do you ruin it, right? How do you ruin the desirability of it, right? And if you're Wall Street, then you come in and you go, well, you know what? Why don't we take the narrative and carry it? And who cares about who gets rich on the way up? We use it for a hedge to our clients to give them you know, one to 5% exposure on the portfolio, maybe 10 in some cases to some people, depending how hard the markets are correcting. They're in an ETF. You make the retiree feel really good, right? Because they don't have to go out and open an exchange account and they don't know how to buy this stuff. And think about this, Brad, you brought, you broke it down earlier in the show. Bitcoin is becoming centralized through these ETF products. So this right. centralized narrative isn't going to be real starting in 2024 because Large majorities of Bitcoin will be controlled by a small number of conglomerates. That's a hundred percent. And if you look at the mining, they all, I mean, even Charles Hoskins said, how long did it take him? Well, you didn't have to hold a hot cigarette to his temple to get the answer <laughs> out of his ass. You know, it was no hostage situation. He just starts to feel one iota fraction of the pressure that we felt for years as XRP holders. Now that he's being targeted and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, there's a 51% attack. You could get rid of Bitcoin. No, I mean, he was squealing, boy. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, he was like, I'll tell you where the bodies are buried. Bitcoin can be susceptible to attack. Where the hell was he at while we were being sued for three plus years with that little fun fact? He was right? calling us conspiracy theorists. Yeah, grand conspiracy theorists, right? And now all of a sudden, now that they're stepping on his side of the table, he's got all kinds of shit to say about it. So these are what I call fair weather friends. 
And I don't need any of those because they ain't really friends. Well, the live chat, they this is how you know they watch our show, Johnny. They know our inside jokes. So let me preface yeah, it for anybody who knew joke the, is the right word. That's let me preface it because this is a very long inside joke we've had where me and Johnny debated, is Charles Hoskinson a good guy, a bad guy? Are his opinions valid? Well, Johnny, he has an he has a specific affection with Charles Hoskinson that no. he's defended him for months no. and months and months on end. But no, it's it's, no, it's no, all no. over. I have no affection to Charles. I have no affection to Charles. All I've ever said is the crypto community standing together as a whole would be better than bashing each other apart. That's all I said. Percent. I agree. Thank you, that. Brad. And that's all I've been saying. And then people are like, oh, Johnny loves loves Charles. No, but we're better off having Charles on our side than having Charles against us. That's all yeah. I'm saying. The more we come together, the better. And I'd like to add that it, Charles be better off having us on his side. hundred percent. Yeah. We'd all be better. Like a son of a bitch and he's losing now. Now yeah, all of a sudden yeah, he yeah. don't like it. Well, get on the winning team. Get you a jersey. Leave yeah. the hat at home. Don't get a hat like Novograd stuff. Yeah. And only leave the fedora <laughs> or whatever the hell that thing was at home. Come with, you know, just come with a head of hair and you'll be good or whatever it is. Right. We'll figure it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, just the reality is, Crypto's under attack, and we need as many allies together fighting this thing, Brad. And yes. that's, that's what I think at the end of the day. And I get what Brad, I get what Charles did. Charles yeah. stayed quiet because most of these guys, this is my guess, are probably fearful of the SEC. And of the course. last thing you want to do is speak up and draw attention to yourself and get slapped a fine or sued by the SEC. So I can understand why he kept his mouth shut. And now that he's got nothing to lose... Now he's coming out and he's bashing everybody. I, I get it. It makes sense. I totally understand it. To your point, Johnny, I think that's exactly right. And then I also believe that not only is it that, uh, you know, he did people didn't want to speak up and become a target of the SEC, right? But they also knew as long as it was us, they didn't give a shit, right? Yeah. They, did, they, did, they didn't care what it was no, up. they loved it. Because if the they attention's on us, guess what? Yeah. It's not on them. So right. not only did he not only did he know that I won't bring attention to myself, he actually thought he'd go out here and kiss the SEC's ass and tell mm -hmm. us we're all grand conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. He actually took one step closer to the ledge, right? Because he actually Amen. I will actually go out there and start busting on this crowd, and hopefully the SEC won't come get me because I'm raw rawing with you right. guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he did. On a serious note, Brad, you sound exactly – that is cut and paste what I've said, Johnny Crypto. So it's funny because you're saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I said the same thing and you disagreed with me. What's going no, on What here? are you talking about? I'm the, I'm the one who came out and just told you what he did. That's what he did. He basically wanted to stay under the radar to not draw attention to himself. And he sided with the bad guys so that, hey, if I'm on their team, they won't come after me. But what they do? They stopped him in the back anyway. So all he did was screw himself in the long run and then turn the whole community against him. So and we're, all on, we're on the same page here. Yes. Here's the horrible thing. The horrible thing is, is that Charles is a brilliant guy. Yes. Charles is a super brilliant guy. And, I mean, I could see that what he did is just the angle and the horse that he decided to bet on, it didn't come in, right? So – you bet the wrong. Do you order. consider him? Let me let me just wrap. Put a bow on this. Let's let's give some like strong opinions here. Do you consider him spineless? Like I don't know if I don't know if there's a better word. I'm sorry, but that's the thing I'm trying to say is like he waited until they attacked his project to then say, "Let me go and say positive things about the XRP army. Maybe some of them will get behind me as well." Like I'm not dumb enough to think that there wasn't some personal incentive here to start talking positively once his project was attacked. 
What do you think? Because that was my whole criticism. Not that he's talking positively about XRP, but because I think he's only doing it to save his behind. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. You know, uh, he picked the wrong horse, right? He he thought they were going to sink our ship and he'd stand there and throw stones at us and stuff. Hey, look, Gary Gensler, SEC, don't come after me, man. I, I'm throwing stones at their ass too. There wasn't no problem <laughs> going on. Stop yeah. talking about my boys over at the SEC. Yeah. And then you know what happened? This is what happened right here. They said, hey, Charles, a letter just came in, brother. Look, let me see what we got here. Oh, it's from the SEC. I was just helping them out. They're suing us. You know what I mean? That that's it. <laughs> that's that's what went on right there. And you know, hopefully he learned a lesson about having some backbone, right? Because that's that's what went on. You thought you could play soft and then somebody was going to respect you. But when you snitch and you turn around and you lay into something like that, I'm from the street. So when you when I see that, nobody respects you, right? So now you out there on this little island. Hello, hello. <laughs> And you yeah. know what? I'm not mad at you, but I'm wishing you the best because I feel you, but I can't reach you. Brad, I got to remind you, you know, we can go all day with this show. So you got to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Give me a signal when you got to go because I got a bunch of other topics prepared. I got five. I got five, five minutes. So let's hit the important ones, guys. Elizabeth Warren's opinion on crypto has been circulating. Uh -oh. Let's address the information. You're going to need more than five minutes for this one, Brad. So let, me preface it. let me preface it by saying this. What we're seeing is only one side of the argument on the mainstream news. We're seeing this. In theory, digital currency issued by a centralized entity like the Federal Reserve has many of the advantages without the risks. That's what we're seeing on the mainstream news. What we've been showing our listeners, Brad, is that the reason people like Elizabeth Warren and Jamie Dimon are so outspoken about crypto is because their company and the people who are funding their companies or their interests make their money from banking. And so what's happening in crypto is not only a revolution in digital payments, but also we are seeing power be taken away from the banks. And whether it's being put in companies like Ripple or back in the hands of the people like us, that is not something that the banks are an advocate for. Remember, every financial transaction goes through the banks. People don't even know this. Why is a bank called a bank? It comes, it comes Everything's about liquidity. Anybody who knows, uh, I don't want to go off on a tangent. Sorry about that. But floor is yours. I want to get your opinion about Elizabeth Warren. Power's moving away from the banks. This is clearly a marketing campaign to stop that from happening. What do you think? Well, I mean, geez, well, you talk about setting one up. What do you think about Elizabeth Warren? He asks, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, I got to go a couple of minutes. I mean, I could write a book on this woman. Um, it's, you know, mm, I, I'll, I'll say this and I'll try to be as polite as I possibly can. Right. So um, it's clear to me that she's serving banks, right? She's serving wall street. She's serving the banking world, right? That's what all of this is coming down to leaning in to the Fed as well. I, I just, I can't help but feel like that's what's going on here. Everything she's saying is down with Bitcoin. Let's ban it. The recent bill that she's put together is horrible. And shout out to uh, Chamber of Digital Commerce, Perry Ann Boring and them for putting up such a, a nice fight, bringing a lot of attention to what she's trying to do. And thank goodness she has a crappy record at passing legislation. But you know, it's clear to me that she is not for the people. She is for the lobbying uh, institutions that she's really representing, which are the banks and stuff of that nature. Because everything she's doing has nothing to do with uh, United States being a leader in the fourth industrial revolution. And that's a problem for me. I also want to preface, we broke it down yesterday, so I'm not going to do it again. But we showed a long Twitter thread explaining how if Elizabeth Warren regulation is passed, 
Bitcoin wouldn't be able to operate in the USA because she's forcing it to comply with centralized data. And you can't get that data with Bitcoin. It's a decentralized economy. You can apply that to any of, any of them. I'm just an example. That's what was cited in the reference that we were talking about. But Johnny, let's close out the show because I know Brad's short on time. I'd love to get his opinion. We ran the live chat user poll today and we asked the listeners what their price prediction was after we break out for XRP. But first of all, I do just want to give you the floor where I collect all that data. Do you have a response to the Elizabeth Warren video we just showed? Well, I mean, see, Brad and I, we're we're like we're like two of the same minds. We think obviously a lot of like I, he's a hundred percent spot on. All you have to look at is there's two factions in Congress. There's a pro crypto faction and there's an anti crypto faction. And the reason why they both exist is because there's one group of money, pile money that wants the narrative of anti crypto, and Elizabeth Warren is on that team, and she's being funneled money, you know, to say things bad about crypto. And then there's another group that wants to see crypto happen, and they're funneling, you know. Emmers and Davidson and, and Senator McHenry and those guys are pro crypto activity. And, th and that's exactly what Brad, it's exactly what it is. We're just talking about money. You just have to understand how this world works. It's money, and there is money. Elizabeth Warren is being paid. She decided to join, you know, succumb to the anti crypto feed people, and she's being paid by them to spin their narrative. And that's what's happening. The law itself, abs, look at the record. She's got him just looking. 11 of her bills out of, I think, 300 and something bills that she has her name on, only 11 have actually become law, right? So we're talking less than 3%. So again, the probability of anything she's talking about or, or in sponsoring a bill is going to actually become law. But that's not what's important. That's not what this is about. This is about a narrative. And she's spinning, she's pumping that narrative like she's never pumped it before because as Brad said, it's all about, just look at who's paying for her and then you'll know who's anti-crypto. Brad, I don't know if you have any closing statements. I could tell you maybe you wanted to comment, and then I'll close it out with that reference that I just broke down. Well, look, I, I just I want to go general here, and I want to thank the audience for such great comments, and they're all really super supportive and very nice and kind, and I love that. I'll, I'll take it any day of the week. Listen, we'll, we'll say it here. We'll say it again. We got the best live chat in the game, Brad, and it's only getting better every day. So it's it's not a surprise to me that you recognize that. We really do have some of the best people who support our show. You really do. You have a great group of people and it's just, it's so nice uh, to, to see their comments and see them be a part of the show for sure. Um, I, I would like to, I got to close out and let you guys know that XRP Las Vegas 2024 is coming Woo! and you better get ready because uh, look, last year was a huge success and it was our first time out. We sold out. And it was remarkable. And we had some very special things happen. And I could tell you that this time around, we are going to blow the first year's experience out of the water. You guys privately know I've shared some things privately. Can't say anything yet. But you guys know privately, like just some of it. And it is going to be, bar none, a, a new watermark for the XRP community. And by the way, it is the largest XRP conference in the world. And uh, we're going to have it. And it's going to be May 3rd, May 4th. And uh, write it down. Don't book anything yet. The website will be live soon. And we'll be getting that out in the next couple of days. And then you'll want to make your plans, get your tickets, discounted rooms. All of that's going to be available to you. 
but there is so much to look forward to. And I mean, companies and stuff like that. Look, and you guys too, we're going to figure all of that out. I know we're going to see you guys in some kind of way, shape or form. It's going to be amazing. So I just wanted to share that with everybody that's coming in the next couple of days. So watch. Thank out. you so much, Brad. And I just want to remind people. So we obviously had the fortune of not only going to the event, but I got to speak on stage for two separate sections last year. I believe coach JV was on stage. Johnny was on stage as well, which is really exciting. But during the event, Brad Garlinghouse made a guest appearance. And I know we got to see him in September. So, but that first time we saw Brad Garlinghouse at XRP Las Vegas was very, very exciting. It was cool to get pictures. And I think that's just another incentive. I have no idea if he's going to show up this year, but what I can promise you is that there's typically a surprise guest. So I don't know if it's going to be Brad. I don't know if it's going to be somebody, maybe a, an influencer or an educator that you're looking forward to seeing. But some of the biggest players in the community are going to be there. And our group will be there as well. Coach JV, myself, Johnny Crypto, so on and so forth. And we're really looking forward to it, Brad. So we hope we have an opportunity to not only be there, but be involved because we are love this. And we're part of the XRP community. So much respect to you. And thank you so much, Brad. But hey, thank oh, you. God. No, thank you, Abs. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Shout out to Coach JV and everybody there. You know, uh, and, and it is awesome that you guys were a part of the last one on stage and off. And hopefully we can uh, work that out again this year. But I can say there's going to be some surprises that you are not going to believe. So nice, nice. you heard it here first, guys. If I didn't sign that NDA, I'd break it down for you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but let's close it out with the user poll today because we got 480 votes in our live chat. And the question was, Looking at this XRP price chart, trading 2,100 days below its all-time high, what is your peak price target for XRP once we break out? 35% of the user chat believes somewhere between $8 and $22. 25% is between $3 and $8. Well, that's actually very different from what we've seen in the past, Johnny Crypto. Would you believe that? Only 23% of our users believe we're getting above $22. Bucks. That tells me we're getting some realistic perspectives on the live chat. I want to shout out to you guys. But let's get our opinions from Brad, Mario, and Johnny as well. First of all, Brad, what's your reaction? And you don't have to say a price target or anything, but what do you feel about the results of the poll? Well, I just think it's great that you have such a nice interactive audience that wants to participate and to share their thoughts. And, you know, look, uh, you have a plan because this is the thing. Like when we look at charts today, we can look back in history and we can see what it did from yesterday, earlier today, all the way back to its inception. But we don't get to see what it's going to do going forward. And that's why when you see that varying percentages of what people believe will take place, you understand, at least I understand from that information, we don't know. Right. So have a plan. You know, if that plan's at $1.50 or $5 or $10 or $100, whatever it is, have a plan. Because one thing I can say that I've experienced these two bull runs in the crypto space and not taking profits, it will feel much different. Because I remember what it felt like both times watching the portfolio just go like this, just go on out in outer space. Exactly. And yeah. I didn't do anything, right? So understand that, you know, this time around, and if you've never been in a bull run before, you are going to have emotions that you've never experienced before. And you're they're going to be irrational at times, yeah. right? So just, just that's why it's really important to say, okay, I've decided to do this method and I'm going to do 
5% of my portfolio or 10 or 20 or whatever. And this is what I'm going to do with it. You know, whatever that is, it could, it could look completely different than that. I'm just, you get the yeah. arbitrary example. And Brad, right? just to add to what you're saying, like, this is what the Merlin app does. We just go in here and this is a completely fake example, fake numbers. Nothing's connected to this account, just so everybody knows, but this is what you can do to create the idea for your exit plan. You go in and you set price targets. Then you figure out the amount of profit you would have. So it's not just about, Oh, I need 589 because I'd be rich. It's like, I want to make $50,000. I'm going to pay taxes on that. So now I'm down to 32. I'm going to put that. And then you really create a plan for yourself. And I think that this exit plan that, that I obviously use, we created the application. So gun to my head, I got to use it, right, Brad? But even if I didn't help create this thing, I would be using this exit plan for that reason. It tells me not only exactly what I'm going to do, but it shows me where I'll be if I execute properly. That's what I think is so valuable. So I just thought that would add to what you're saying. I think it's an excellent point. And I mean, you guys have done such a great job with the Merlin app. You know, it's like shout out uh, to Johnny. Yeah, I know Johnny's been huge and and all, all the people working on it. And look, I mean, the, having that kind of mental preparedness, right, to to know what your plan is, to physically be able to see it in your hand on your phone is never a bad idea. In fact, it's a fantastic idea. Thank you so much, Brad. And think about this. You're talking about I'm sure you're into visualization manifestation as well. When you look at the numbers and you see it with your eyes, it's completely different than saying, oh, 100,000 in my head, like put it on paper, figure out the path to your success. And even if it's XRP's price going up, at least you know the road there. Johnny, I'd love to give you a chance to close it out before I end the show. Well, I think at the end of the day, what's really important and what I've seen as we've been talking to customers, Abs, what's really cool about it is when you create and put your stuff into Merlin, it forces you to think about something they haven't had to do before. And that's creating an exit strategy. And right. And we would have, we spent almost this whole show talking about Brad was none of us knew how to get out. Right. We weren't even think, thinking about it. And so people said to me like, Oh my God, Johnny, I didn't even realize I needed to think about an exit strategy. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing of Merlin. Not only do we bring all your coins in one place, you can get yourself stuff off the exchanges, still see all your coins in one place, but you, you create an exit strategy, you get the alerts, you know, when to sell and you've just done the most single, most important thing in life. You've taken the emotion out of the game because brad how's this game rigged it's rigged against our emotions right that's so right. why not take away the one weapon used against you and that's why we're proud of merlin because it does that so guys you get a free 30-day trial click on the link below swing by www.merlincrypto.com and you get to try it out for free for 30 days i don't know how well else to put it in people's hands oh they're giving it away for free and if you yes you gotta put a credit card in to get started but you don't you don't get charged for 30 days and we made it one click cancel. If you don't like it, click the button. You don't have to call somebody, spend an hour on the phone for you how to cancel. Right in the app, click cancel, boom, done. Thank you so much, guys. And I want to give a special thank you to our guest, Brad. Brad, can you just remind people? I'm sure there's some of them, not many, but some of them don't know where they can find your content. So why don't you just remind people your YouTube, your Twitter, or your community, whatever you'd like to plug. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Digital Perspectives on YouTube and at Dig Perspectives on Twitter. So you can follow us there and, uh, you know, we're oh, super- any brief comments on DAI being added back. Sorry, I just remembered. Yes. That. Oh, back. man, listen, uh, look, that's brother from another mother right there. <laughs> and it's only right that he's back. The goat of the XRP space. Yeah. Right. And I'm so glad that he's back. The one thing I will say is that what's unfortunate is is that, you know, it does appear that however it goes, he was targeted from within inside of the X platform some kind of way. Ooh. So, you know, I mean, obviously, I think Elon's got the right direction that he's going, but it doesn't mean that there aren't still people inside of the X platform, formerly Twitter, 
that have some maybe uh, different ideas and they haven't been completely, you know, kind of sussed And, you know, out. I'm so sorry. I keep asking one last question, but do you have a lot of faith in in the, in Twitter? I know that for, for a lot of the XRP community, it, it hurt Twitter's image that they removed him. They wouldn't address it. We were tweeting about it. Johnny was tweeting about it. What did you think? Are you, are you unfaithful? Or are you faithful in Twitter and kind of the vision that's playing out? Well, I, I hope that they are aligned with the vision that they've sold to everybody, you know, the free speech platform. But uh, I, I, you know, the reality is, is I watched him get silenced for no reason and without warning. And it took yes. litigation and the threat of litigation to get it done, to get him back on. So that really is not a solution for the future make. And if you're looking to be a super app and you want me to put my money on the platform and not use my own bank, I'm going to need to see a little more from you. Another thing, last comment here is that I think he has 350,000 followers. Imagine how many smaller accounts go through what he did, but don't even have the resources or community to combat it. So I think that's the bigger issue, right? Not the fact that they targeted one of our favorites. It's that if they can take down DAI, 350,000 followers, massive community, imagine what they can do to the little guy with 65 followers who's just trying to learn out there. So we got 535 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to give a special thanks to everyone on the show, but uh, most importantly, a special thanks to Brad. Special thank you to Johnny Crypto as well and Mario, a.k.a. the Node Defender. Another great show, another great episode. Optimistic days ahead for the XRP community. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brad. Thank Woo. you, guys. Let's go. Let's go.